Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Welcome, everybody. Really, really excited about this new series as we step into this. Um, but before I get there, a couple things. Um, first off, <clears throat> we, are, uh, we have some Christ is King swag out in the atrium. You can get some. It's a great shirt. Christ is King. It's a statement that actually holds a lot of power and significance. Also, we got some cool hats with a little crown. Don't you love what our team designed? I think it's great. I love it. Super pumped about it. Um, and because we like to give things away, anybody want this? You guys? Oh, sorry. Medical team. No, I'm just kidding. We're fine. Uh, yeah, really, really excited about this. So you can, you can buy some. All the, all the proceeds of that goes to, to our debt reduction, just so you're aware of that. Um, also, before I get into the message, we are really excited. We, we have a, a great K-8 uh, school, really just so delighted at what God is doing in that school and the leadership of Brian Thompson in our school, shaping the hearts of young men and young women to see themselves as how God has called them and teaching them the word. So we have a, uh, a golf tournament coming up. If you play golf, know people who play golf, please, we would love for you to come and join. All the proceeds go to help scholarships for, um, for students who aren't able to totally afford everything, and it helps subsidize them so they can have a Christian education, and we can honor and bring glory to Christ through our school. Amen? And so you can, you can stop by the uh, information counter or go to our website. We would love uh, for you to, to be there. I'll be there, and uh, our team will not win. But I'm just telling you, I will be there to play. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we are beginning the series today on Christ is King. This is foundational in the rest of the series. And so what I'm going to lay today is, is, is really, it, it is just foundational. But it's, it's, it is on which everything else that we're going to talk about over the coming several weeks is going to stand on. This is the reality that Christ is king, but this for today and for the rest of these, these messages, it's to rediscover the kingship of Jesus Christ over the world and over all things, including ourselves. I believe that we together, that God wants us as a church and you as an individual to rediscover God's purpose of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. We live in a world that if you just look around for, uh, for a moment, you will see the radical de-Christianization of culture. We're living in a day in which our culture around us and, and even those in the church and believers are refusing to recognize what it means to live in and under the authority of Christ, the kingship of Christ. What does it mean to bring glory to Christ in every area of your life? What does it mean to acknowledge that Christ is king and I am in his kingdom, therefore I will bring glory to him in every aspect of my life, of my vocation, of my family. What does that mean? And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. But this lordship of understanding of who Jesus is, 
How do we, how, how do we come, bring under this lordship? Because we live in a world that is not under the kingship of Christ. They don't live as though Christ is king. And I'll explain more about what I mean by that statement. But as it comes to the, the lordship of Christ in the understanding of family or human identity, education, the lordship of Christ as it pertains to the sanctity of life or laws and the culture that we're, we're around, we are living and Christians believe and are acting as though Christ has no authority in those realms. Most of us are very comfortable with understanding the kingship of Christ between our own two ears. We believe that Jesus is king of the church, but do we believe that he's actually the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Many of us have adopted an idea that one day Jesus will be king of kings and Lord of lords, but I want to challenge that and allow the scriptures to clearly define to us that we don't have to wait for him to be king of kings and Lord of lords. He already is, and this earth and everything in it belongs to him. And so I want God to strengthen us. I want him to, and, I, and he wants to as well, but through this series is that we would, we would understand what does it mean to assert the lordship of Jesus Christ, the kingship of Jesus Christ in every area of our life, that we would grasp through this series and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the full meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to understand that we're living in a day and age that is not looking to the day of Christ's kingdoms, but to understand it's the age that is about Christ's kingdom, his rule, his reign, and our part in the restoration of what God wants on earth. Jesus spoke very clearly, and these are some of the things I'm going to be speaking of over this series, that when we pray, we are to pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he told us to pray. He didn't tell us pray something that's never going to be, and that wasn't about praying for his second coming. That was about us acknowledging that the kingdom of God has been established through the life, burial, um, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that the kingdom is not then, the kingdom is now. And we live in the kingdom of Christ. So uh, before we get into these other applications of messages, I want us to establish today first things first. And that is to see that Christ is king now. I want to begin by listening to what Jesus said about who holds the authority on this earth. Matthew 28, 18, my favorite passage of the whole Bible, which I like it all. Every passage is my favorite, but this has been a, a driving force of my life and the decisions on, on how I've lived my life. But Jesus said this, this is after his resurrection and he's speaking to his disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want you to look at that statement. And here's the challenge. We read that and we say, amen, but do we believe that? 
But because all authority had been given to Jesus through his obedience, because of that, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Most of the time, we, we, we understand go to the nations, but we don't understand how do you disciple a nation? How do you do, do you do this just by plucking a few people from, the, from, from hell and then waiting for Christ's return? Or, or when you look at this, you see, wait a minute, the interaction of God's people to the nations and to the nation which you dwell, or the city you dwell, or the place you dwell, is everything we do is hinged on his first statement. All authority in heaven and on earth now has been given to me. What are the implications of this being true in our lives? Most believers, again, have no problem attributing um, Jesus having authority and dominion in heaven because when we hear kingdom of God, we think the kingdom up there. But Jesus came to establish his kingdom on earth is what he says. We would even say Jesus has all authority in the universe. He has all authority over every planet. But when we start talking about him reigning and ruling with all authority here on earth, we go, oh, not yet. So I want us to lean in and understand what Jesus did through his resurrection. And what kingdom, or what is the implications of us being in his kingdom on the earth right now, today? Because many of us in our minds have constructed a belief system that has limited, actually, us carrying out the Great Commission. We've constructed a belief system that he has some authority, and one day he'll get all authority when he returns. So... As we look at the Great Commission, and, J and, and J Jesus says that, that the authority on earth has been given to him. I'll ask you and propose a question about this, what he said. If that was the case, that it was given to him, then who held the authority before him? For us to understand the fullness of what Jesus accomplished as the, what Paul calls Jesus the last Adam, we need to go back to the first Adam, to Genesis, and we begin the story of Genesis, and it unfolds with God creating plants and insects and flying creatures and land animals, and none of those creatures were created to exercise God's rule and his reign on the earth. None of them were. There was no created ability by God for them to also converse relationally with God. So we find on the sixth, day, the sixth day, God created humankind. He created Adam. And so God didn't act randomly. This wasn't a, some, just a continuation of creating what he already was. This was with a purpose. This was with a purpose for humankind to be shaped and, and crafted and given his breath 
He didn't do this because there was a deficiency in himself. He did this. And he made humankind. In verse 26, he says of Genesis 1, let us, speaking of the Trinity is present, let us make man in our image. Now we hear image, so this is what we think, our image, our eyes, what we see. And then he says, after our likeness. And let them have dominion. This was the original purpose and plan of humankind. Not only were they made in the image, they were made in the likeness. And for the purpose to have dominion of the earth. And there's a lot of other things here that I'm not going to go into just because of time, but verse chapter 5 says this, he, God, made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. So all of the previous creations, events of creation, God simply said, let there be, and there was. But when it comes to the creation of mankind, he created, and cho he chose to be more intimately involved. The words that he, that he was using help us the, the image that we are made in and the likeness of which we are made in all is about our purpose of living out why God created you and why God created me and why God created Adam and Eve. And the original language of, his, of this understanding of likeness and image, there are words that he is connecting. He's connecting humankind with qualities that parallel the same that he possessed. Not that humanity is God, but he gave us the same qualities that he has. Dominion over the earth, creativity, moral purity, intelligence, emotions, ability to make ethical decisions. He also gave them immortality. He gave them also a free will. He gave them spiritual sensitivities. And so by, their, by the creation of God of humanity, he marked them with purpose. He marked them with, with a, an understanding and then he also ordained them with authority to carry out what their purpose was. And he gave them authority, power, dominion, and leadership to steward the earth in the manner in which he would do it. So when Jesus prays that God's will will be, he said, pray this, that God's will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying is you need to pray that if it's not in heaven, that it wouldn't be on earth. If it is in heaven, then it would be manifested here on earth. He's talking about, Jesus was talking about a kingdom, a kingdom where in God's kingdom, if it's not there, then we should be praying that it would not be here. We should pay attention to it. If it is in heaven, then we should be praying that it would be manifested here and we should pay attention to it. And so this is the responsibility that God gave humankind. So Adam and Eve were the only two that were given dominion and authority over the land and over the creatures and over the earth. They were, they were crowned as stewards. And it was theirs. It was their authority. So Adam has been given dominion over the whole earth. And so here he is walking out 
this and Eve has been given the same thing. And, but there is one command from God that he says, but I don't want you to eat of this one tree of its fruit. And that fruit is the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I don't think the, I don't think the tree's fruit, fruit was, was, uh, was powerful that they ate of it and then it came. This was a, this was a decision. This was about either obey God or don't obey, o- obey God. They had two choices, obey God or disobey, disobey him. So this was their choice. But they had, they had been crowned with authority, crowned with dominion, and crowned with the responsibility to steward the earth in a manner in which God would do it. That's what, that's what we're called to do is to be stewards. Now, most of us would believe that that stewardship is about ourselves, and we'll have a, a, a message about that, or, or my family, and we'll, we'll have a message about family. But what many of us don't attribute is what does this mean for us to live in stewardship on the earth today and rightfully carry out the purposes of God on the earth and bring glory to Christ in his kingdom that is ruling and reigning on the earth today. Now, God tells Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree, these are the consequences. Chapter 2, verse 17, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In other words, your purpose, you won't be able to walk it out anymore. And the, the parallel things that I, that, that I have given you from my likeness and image, that some of those are going to change. So one day Adam and Eve are walking and they're exercising dominion and, and authority and Satan, who, who, what, when I think about this, I think, man, this is so amazing. Angels weren't made in the image of God. Michael, the archangel, is not made in the image of God. Lucifer was not made in the image of God or the likeness of God. And here are these two, on the, on the surface, they were made from dirt. And they're marked with God's image and Satan is rebelling from God. And so he begins a conversation with first Eve and, and then Adam in, uh, steps into the situation. And in verse, chapter three, verse one, it says, he, Satan said to the woman, did, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither, and she adds this, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows, now look at this, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one's, one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. This is referred to as the world's greatest tragedy. This is the chapter in the Bible that everything about the Bible turns. This is the pivot point Everything shifts, everything turns. 
And so when Adam, who was, who was the, the head and leader of, of his home, which would be Eve, and, he was, and they were both ordained by God with authority and power, Adam has, has his ability to rule and to reign. But then he accepts Satan's invitation. Now, Satan knew that Adam was possessed with authority and power over the earth. It was his. As we spoke about last week, authority is not, you, you can't grab authority. You can't buy authority. Authority can only be given to you. And this authority was given to these individuals, Adam and Eve, from God. And so Adam, by accepting Satan's word and Satan's system, he did that in preference to God's word and God's system. And the moment he did that, Adam handed over the deed of trust to Satan of the earth and enthroned him as the legal ruler of the earth. That is what happened at the tree. Because of this, the authority and dominion that Adam had was transferred to Satan. And God speaks to what just happened. God acknowledges, and we're going to read in just a moment, that what happened was Satan gained an advantage over humanity and over the earth. After the fall, Adam and Eve and God and Satan, there was this, God began to declare something to set a plan in place to undo what had just happened. But Genesis 3.15, God says this, and he says, I will put enmity between you, speaking of Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He, her offspring, will crush your head, speaking to the serpent or Satan, and you, Satan, will strike his heel. So what happened the moment that Adam gave over the authority to Satan, Satan gained this advantage. Now, as you see here, Satan is able to bruise or strike humanity in a negative way. Adam gave access to Satan to humanity. Adam plunged all of humanity from being under God's covering, functioning from God's authority, to now being under the covering of Satan and functioning in Satan's authority. That's why the scripture says all have sinned and fallen short because we were born under the kingdom of darkness. That's why it, it, Paul speaks of when you give your life to Jesus, you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son his, and light. So this is the moment. It was a transfer. And God says now Satan will strike or bruise, have access to humanity. Now we know this is the promise of the Messiah who would undo everything that was just exchanged here at the, at the tree. But now Satan has his impact on humanity and the earth and all everything flows from his character, which is evil, which is destructive, which is he wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. And so God begins to work his plan to legally take back his purpose and plan. 
and destiny for humanity. God didn't give up on us, thank God. He actually enacted a plan that would legally take back what God gave Adam and Eve. Now God sends the second Adam or the last Adam, as Paul says, to represent now humanity. So God became flesh and came to dwell among us and we know him as Jesus. He was fully man and fully God. He now came as a, repre- as a representative of humanity, of your life. Now, as Paul says in, his, in the scriptures, he says, as one, since as one man sinned, all sinned. But through one man, Christ, all can be saved. So there is, there is this, this journey now that we see from Genesis moving through to understand what Jesus is doing. Now, many people will think, yeah, but Jesus, when he came to the earth and fully man, fully God, he, he had all authority of earth. But I would tell you and say this, no, he did not. Because the authority of man had been given over to Satan of the earth. So God has all authority over all things, but God also being flesh. Now Jesus was the man aspect of his life did not have full authority over all things on earth. He had, he had authority over, over sickness. He had authority over demonic realm. You see him, he's walking in that authority, but, but the authority of mankind had not been purchased back. And so you see this happening in the temptation of Jesus. After he's baptized by John the Baptist, he goes and he's led out to the desert to be tempted. We remember this and we we understand this. And I I want you to just look at what was offered to Jesus. Says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So this is like the 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 reenactment of what happened at the tree in the garden. Now the last Adam, second Adam is in the desert with the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I do want you to note, if you notice, I didn't point out, he'd been fasting for 40 days, and it says he was hungry. So this is a, this is the man. He's hungry. There's a weakness in his flesh. Then verse five says, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He, he will command his angels concerning you And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him. It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you. Satan is declaring that the kingdoms of the world belong to him. 
He said, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you this. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, which is what Adam should have said at the tree. He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him. And now look, and angels came and attended him. Hey, have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't say, Satan, you idiot. Why are you offering me things that already belong to me? He doesn't. Because he understood that the deed of authority and dominion had been transferred from mankind to Satan. And this moment in the desert, it had not yet been purchased back. And so Jesus interacts and, and, and does what Adam should have done. And the first son who was a disobedient son that plunged us into darkness, the second Adam, Jesus, the obedient, pure, holy son, resists temptation. But you can see here that Satan is offering something that Satan owns. I mean, he took him to the temple. He showed him the kingdoms of the world. I'll give it to you if you'll bow. And Jesus responds out of obedience from the scriptures. So Jesus doesn't have an issue that Satan owns these things and can offer them. That doesn't come up. Jesus has the issue on how he would possess them and get them underneath his authority. And Satan was offering a different way than the way that Jesus was on a mission to do. This is crucial to understand. And what also many people don't understand is that this, this idea that Jesus was coming to purchase mankind and purchase their authority and dominion back from Satan was not, was not understood by Satan. Paul says that if Satan would have known what crucifying Christ would have done, he never would have crucified him. So Satan was in the dark because he's a dummy. But Satan was in the dark. And this was like a, uh, th th this is like a, 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 a mission that God was ex executing on the earth to return mankind back to his original purpose and call. And he sent his only son to represent us. So the crucial understanding to the work and to the purpose of Jesus and through this series is this foundational point of what did the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus actually do? So after Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was on his way, he was on his way to the cross and the triumphal entry and we love it and it's fantastic. Scripture says though, as he was understanding what was waiting before him, his crucifixion, he says his heart he was, his soul is troubled as the hour of his cruc crucifixion approaches. But in the midst of his trouble, in the midst of him, him uh, the triumphal entry, and after he has arrived, Jesus makes this statement. And I want you to catch this. He says this, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people 
to myself. This is Jesus looking ahead on what he's going to do on the cross. So Jesus was speaking about what he was going to do. He was going to take back dominion and authority of the earth. So the rule and reign of Christ over all things in heaven, but particularly for this understanding of this series on earth, was taken back by Jesus. He took back the authority and the dominion that the first Adam transferred to Satan through his disobedience, but him being the last Adam sent by the Father, Jesus Christ, who represented all mankind, the perfectly obedient Son of God, through his life, burial, um, death, and his resurrection, he took back the deed of authority to the world after his resurrection back to mankind. He took it back for us. And now through his resurrection, Jesus holds the deed of authority as the rightful, perfect man and king of the earth. And I want you to understand and walk away with this. That Jesus is not only the king of heaven, he is the king of earth. He's not just the coming king. The Bible says he's the current reigning king. And because that's true, what are the implications then on our life? What is it that Paul would speak to us about? We're ambassadors. This, this, hang on, this is, this is about, this is kingdom talk. That we would, we would assert the crown rights of Christ in every area of our life now as followers of Jesus in his kingdom, being transferred to the kingdom of his son. And so we hear in the beginning of the Great Commission again, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this, the transfer has happened and Jesus then gives that authority to every person who calls him Savior and Lord. And our job and our goal in our life is to live under the rules, the rulership and the kingship of Christ and to bring Christ's glory in every area of our life, not just between our ears, not just within our own hearts, not within our own church. This is within everywhere the kingdom of God is and rules and that is everywhere on earth earth. Listen to what Jesus did. Colossians 2, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, speaking about the cross and his resurrection. The apostle John, when writing to a, to a church at just just 100 years or so after the resurrection. This is, he writes to this church, like us, a message from Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says, Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. And so we're going to spend the next several weeks understanding what does this mean? Because we haven't been living with this understanding. I want you to hear today, Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ, speaking about God, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule 
and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, not only now today, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Do you see anything missing there from the, from the kingship of Christ? It's all there. This rule and reign of King Jesus is not something to come. It's not something that will be. It is the present reality. And we as believers, our role as ambassadors is to reclaim for the kingdom of God what already belongs to Jesus. But we have been commissioned. We are, we are now partners with Christ. We are ambassadors. We have a kingly authority that Jesus through his blood purchased a kingdom of priests. Why? To rule and reign the earth. To apply and assert the goodness of God in every situation of our life, not for our glory, not for power, but to bring Christ's glory in his kingdom because it belongs to him. And so we're going to spend time actually looking at what does this mean? That we have been given by God through his son, Jesus Christ, the re-established authority and dominion and ruling of the earth underneath his kingship under for his purpose and for his glory. This is not about a power move on the earth. This is about giving our King and our Savior glory. This is about honoring him. This is, this is not about retreating from the world and waiting for the real kingdom of Jesus to come. This is about recognizing his kingdom is now. His kingdom is now. And our faith should align with that reality and I'll be honest, we all have fallen short at fully putting our faith and understanding of what it means to live in the kingdom of King Jesus. What are the implications? Well, I believe the implications of this living through our lives and the church. The prophet Habakkuk defines it perfectly, chapter 2, 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the purpose. So since King Jesus is King, what is the implications in our world? What do we understand as our responsibility as believers under his kingship, living in his kingdom? And the responsibility of being actual ambassadors of his kingdom and stewards under his command. As we live from his kingship, how does this impact you? As you come under his, 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 his kingship to bring glory to him through your life, what does that mean? What about your family? What about husbands and 
wives and children. What is the purpose of your family? It's that it is to bring glory and honor to Christ. How does, what, is the, what are the implications of King Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus that is alive and well? What are the implications in government? We just read that all things have, put under, have been put under his feet. What is the responsibility for believers as stewards returned to our authority and dominion to rule and reign in the area of law, education, politics? What does it mean to bring glory to Christ in every area in which you dwell, in which God has called you, in which God has placed you? What does it mean for you to apply and to understand and to assert the truth of God's word into every area? You cannot separate the work of God through him repurchasing dominion over the earth with the word of God that tells us to live as ambassadors. So for this first message, what we have to do is come to grips that there are areas of our life that we actually don't believe Jesus is king. And we go, yes, but if he was king, how come we're not, why, why, isn't, why isn't he exercising his authority? The same reason why he didn't exercise his authority in the garden. He told Adam and Eve to do it. God doesn't do things alone. He loves relationship. And we have been given a responsibility by God to carry out his dominion and rule and reign on the earth. That's what he's called us to do. So I do, do not hear what I'm not saying. This isn't about power. This is about bringing glory to Christ. This is about bringing glory to Christ in our city, in every aspect that is under his rule, which is all things. This is about applying God's word into situations and maybe the area of law or government or education that, that is loving. How do you love your neighbor as yourself? Well, sometimes you, you have to be responsible. And we know that there are things in our community that don't serve our neighbor. Even though they think it does, we know it's destructive and it's from the other kingdom. That they, we, we friends, we are called by God to live out and bring glory to Christ and to whatever area it is. And it's going to start with me. It's going to start with self. And, we're, and we serve a loving God who's going to apply his word to our own hearts. And what does it look like for every area of your life to be focused on bringing him glory? Where has God placed you? Where does he have you? What about the, how, how things you deal with in your own family, the role of a husband, role of a wife, the role of children, discipline? How, how do we, how do we what, what do we do with the sanctity of life issue? Where, where, Listen, God wants to use you to transform this world for the good of his, his kingdom. But the first step is us acknowledging that, Lord, there has been areas of my life, I actually, I, some of you right now are saying, I don't believe this. 
I don't believe it. And I'm telling you right now that God wants to do some work in our own hearts. And so if we could just stand as we close today. And over the next few minutes, I'm just going to ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of your life that you actually doubt that this is true, that you doubt that Jesus actually is King, that you doubt that actually His kingdom is alive and well. And so Lord, we take the next few minutes as submitted underneath You and Your kingdom. Begin to reveal to us the areas that we have not come underneath the lordship and kingship of you, God. And may we see you rightly seated over your kingdom that is now. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.